All right. Good morning, everybody. Really glad that you're here today, and uh, we get to talk about your favorite topic today. We're going to talk about money. Okay, so heads up, that's where we're going. If you're a first-time guest today, you're going, oh my word, we came to church on this day, okay? You know, talking about money, that's all church ever talks about, right? That's what you hear. You know what? We don't talk about money that often, but we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it today. Uh, Statistics say that one of the number one causes of family conflict and divorce is our finances and our inability for a husband and wife to be on the same page or family to agree causes a lot of stress, distress, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering actually in families uh, because of this whole issue of money and finances and how do I deal with that and how do I work this whole thing out. And you got to know that the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of our finances. And today we're going to talk about how do we form habits that would help us be spiritually fit. So I want to invite you to take this message note sheet out of your program. If you go ahead and pull that out, it'll give you a chance to take some notes today, and then maybe you can reflect on it later, some of the things we get to talk about that'll help you out. If you want to have your Bible with you, you can open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's in the New Testament, one of the letters that Paul wrote, and you can look at that. You know what? If you don't have a Bible with you today, when you come in every week, just grab a Bible from the racks outside, and if you don't own a Bible personally... We want to give you one as our gift, so when you leave today, if you just grab one out of one of the racks, write your name in it, this is our gift to you, because we want every family to have a Bible in their home so that they can read it themselves, see what God has to say with them in some way. So, okay, so here we go. We're going to talk about finances today, so it's going to help us to all understand where we're at today. How many of you have ever made a mistake with money? Raise your hand. Okay, so this is for all of us. As I can see, that we're going to go through this today and look at this as how we can keep from making some mistakes that we've made in the past. See, most of us, we know what to do with money. We know what we're supposed to do, and yet we don't do it. And I'll be honest with you, when it comes to money, I struggle just as much as you do. Uh, in fact, the number one cause of stress in my life concerning money stares across from me every time that I shave, okay? He's staring at me every, me, every time I shave, staring at myself. And I just think oftentimes, you know what? If I could just get the guy I'm looking at across from me in the mirror when I shave to behave, then I could be skinny and wealthy, okay? So that's how I look at it. If I could get him to behave. Uh, so today, the stuff we're going to talk about is not hard to understand. It's just hard to apply what we understand, okay? And we're going to look at that today as we go through this whole time. Now, it's, you know, heads up, when it comes to finances, this is not going to be easy. It's going to take some work for all of us to do, okay? So we're going to look at some verses from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul's writing about this whole idea of money, and we're going to look at this from the perspective of forming these financial habits. But what we're going to do is we're going to listen and watch two families from Twin Cities Church, two of our own, and they're going to talk about the process that they've gone through with getting a grip on their finances and forming financial habits. And what I love about their stories, as you're going to get to see, is that they're still in process. They're still working. They're not there yet. And that can give us all freedom today when we think about finances that, you know, we don't have to feel bad about where we are, but we can look forward to where God wants us to be to do the best. Okay, so we're going to watch the first family. This is Drew and Sabrina Speroni. Let's watch their story. I never learned how to manage money. I never learned anything about budgeting. I, you know, my parents never taught me any of that. I was all about the credit cards. 
and anytime I needed anything, I would just say, oh, I'll just use the credit card and, and I'll pay it back. So it was just part of my monthly bills, but I had a lot of credit card debt, a lot um, of just, uh, that's just how I thought to live life. I didn't really consider any other ways. I, I remember always uh, being stressed about money, always have, feeling the pressure of not having enough money, not uh, knowing, not, you know, being in uh, uncertainty about uh, where our finances are and, and how it's going to go next week and that sort of thing. When we first went to financial peace, uh, I was a little bit skeptical. You know, what am I really going to learn from this? And But once we got into it and, and started listening to what Dave Ramsey had to say and uh, learning about budgeting and, and doing the line items, uh, we really saw the value in it and saw the value in seeing where our money actually goes. It's a gut, it's a gut check to really, you know, figure out where our values really lie. Yeah. Day by day. Mm-hmm. Week by week. And we yeah. sit down and do the budget. And we've had moments where we don't know if we're going to make it and we don't know if we're going to make the budget and meet the budget. Uh, but those are the moments that are difficult and we'll go, well, now it's up to God and we know that God is providing and know, we know that God is caring for us. But it's also the best because it helps us grow in, in God. It just challenges us to remember to trust and that we are forgiven for whenever we fall off track. And, you know, that He's behind us and that we're, we're, we're just continuing on. And, and it brings so much security. Like no matter where we are in our finances, if we're not meeting the budget or we are, um, we just have a lot of security now. And we're not all over the place anymore. And we're able to talk about it and share about it and depend on God together about it and share that with our kids and and help them to know that it's going to be okay and we're you know we're we're working on our discipline just as they work on their discipline. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Just their story, I just felt uh, so compelled and uh, the next story we're going to hear a little later in the service I, will be just as compelling about moving forward and saying we need to take a stand. We need to do something to change this financial world that we're living in or the debacle that we've created in some way to make it be the best it can be. So what I want to do is I'm going to read these verses from 1 Timothy, beginning in verse 6 of chapter 6, and uh, then we'll go on and talk a little bit about what Paul says. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now down to verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works 
and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So when I was trying to, you know, when I I designed this service several, actually a couple months ago, and what we were going to talk about today, my intention was to give you kind of a financial plan today uh, that you could go home and you could then, you know, sit down and work out together. Well, as I began working this week, God tweaked me a little bit and, uh, and changed the entire direction of the message. And so instead of giving you a financial plan, because you know what, honestly, I think we all know what to do. I, there's a bunch, there's so many books and, you know, seminars you can go to, uh, and you can learn what to do. And so what I want to do is talk about some filters that you can use, some habits that you can have in place so that when you come to finances, you think about your finances differently. Is what we want to look at today is how to look at them differently. In fact, there's so many good things, and we offer one of the good things to help you with your finances, and it was mentioned in that video, is Financial Peace University, a Dave Ramsey uh, video curriculum. It's been one of the most highly attended life skills classes that we've ever done, and uh, the next one is going to be in the fall, and I know we're hitting in the summer, and there's going to be a lot of hit and miss with us with vacations, and we might miss that announcement on when it's going to be. It's going to be in September, and so if you want to be part of that after today's talk, and you think, you know, I'd really like to try that class out, if you'll just write FPU on the back of your connection card, then we'll know that you're intending or you have an intention today to want to do that so we can contact you when that class comes. Now, 25 years ago, I started working out in a gym. I'd never worked out in a gym before, but I went to this gym. I was living in Fort Worth, Texas at the time, and I walked into this gym. It was a really, you know, big, fancy place. It had all kinds of equipment, all kinds of people in there, and they showed me the workout system that they wanted me to do so that I could gain the maximum results of the workouts that I would do, and it was a circuit system, and so basically, you would go around, and they would have a series of machines, and you would go around through these machines in your workout, and you would, you know, do as many reps as you could on this machine at the greatest weight you could till you felt exhausted in that machine, and then you'd go to the next one. Say, there's really loud music playing, which, you know, kind of pumps you up and gets you all excited, and mirrors everywhere, all the kinds of stuff that workout places happen to really keep you motivated, and so they'd do that, but then they would also have, for this circuit system, they would have a method, and so what you would do is you would sit down in your machine, you'd get into the sink with what was going on, and it would go start. Their voice, they start, and so you would just start on your reps, whatever those were, and you would do as many as you could, and they'd say, stop, so, you know, you didn't have to think on your own. You would just give it your all, and you would stop. This is the day before personal trainers, okay? And you would say, stop, and then it would say, rotate. And then you would get up, and you'd move to the next machine, and it say, start, and you would start, and it would say, stop, and you would rotate. And you would do that, and you would go around all their machines, and what they told you is, is that they had designed the system so that if you sat at each machine and did what it would, you was, were asked to do at the maximum you could do for that time limit, that you would have a body of steel <laughs> at the end of the time. And I'm like, I like that. I want that. I'd like to be part of that kind of thing. And so I would do that. But here's what they told me. They said, if you skip a machine, then you've missed out on the workout system that we've designed for you, and you won't get the maximum impact from this. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you 10 stops, okay? 10 stops on your financial workout plan that you can work out, and these are going to be ways that you think about money differently so that you can see 
what God would want you to do with the finances and the money that he's given you. But as we begin, I'm going to really, I want to really help you out even more. So I'm going to ask if you would, at the, just grab your message notes. Right at the top, I want you to write two phrases, four words, two phrases, okay? On the left side, if you would just write this, take notice. Take notice. And so today, as we go through our talk, God's going to speak to you. I know he is. He's going to speak to you, and when he does, you want to take notice. You want to say, okay, there's a moment where I know God's spoken to me. He's not going to speak to you possibly about all 10 of these today, but especially, I think, one. He said, take notice, and the second one is take action. Take action. Now, someone told me after first service, this applies not only to this talk, but basically all of life. Take notice and take action. And so we look at this, and so I'm going to give you some things today. God's going to speak to you, not me. Take notice, and then when he does, then how does he want you to take action? And that would be the application you take from here today. Okay, so the first station is this. I need to make it my goal to put godliness before gain. Make it my goal to put godliness before financial gain. He starts out right in the very beginning. He says, godliness with contentment is great wealth. Great wealth, he's saying, is godliness with contentment. So the first thing we want to do is we want to say, if that's the idea, godliness, contentment equals great wealth. And if I'm going to reverse the order of that, I'm going to make godliness, I mean, great wealth my primary motivation, then I'm going to miss out possibly on godliness and contentment. So I need to reverse and start in the correct order to say, I'm going to make sure that when I'm thinking about my money, when I'm thinking about my life, that I'm going to put godliness first, that I want to be a godly person. I want to know what it means to walk intimately with him, to have a relationship with him, to be connected with him so that over time I'm formed to be, to become more and more like Jesus Christ in my life. So godliness has to be my goal, not great wealth. Now, um, I was thinking about people I know uh, that would be a great example of this. And the one that came to mind is Dallas Willard. And many of you know Dallas. We talk about, you know, you quote him all the time. Uh, and in my estimation, and I don't think this is an overestimation either, uh, he will go down to as one of the greatest Christian thinkers of our age, our time. Greatest Christian thinkers. And, you know, he's written a just slew of books, and, and he was a, a, a well-sought-after speaker. Uh, Dallas died a few weeks ago. And uh, I got to watch his memorial service. They streamed it online, and uh, as they were streaming it, they were talking about the character traits that he had. And as you're looking at this, the one thing that came out was Dallas's humility and his simplicity. And so he became very famous. And I, you got to know, if you get into the book world and you get into the speaker world, that you can make a lot and lot of money. He was a professor of philosophy at USC. And, but yet, here's the deal. As he ended his days... He and his wife, Jane, they lived in the same simple house that they lived in before they ever made it to fame, before they ever made it to fame. And here's what that showed me. Here's what I looked at that, what Dallas's goal, and he became one of the most godly men I've ever met. You go, you'd be around Dallas and you would just think as close as a human could be to Jesus Christ, he would be the one. You felt it from him, and, you're with, and you realize that he made godliness his goal before financial gain, before great wealth. And he became wealthy in his own ways spiritually. And so when you look at your life and you think, of, well, what is it God's calling me to do? How am I going to live? If you would say right up front, I'm going to put godliness before financial gain, before that pursuit, then I believe that God will bless you for that pursuit. And you say, that's the goal 
of life. Okay, next station is this. I need to remind me to put, mind myself to put stewardship over ownership. Stewardship over ownership. I love how Paul put it. He says, you brought nothing into this world and you will take nothing out of this world, okay? So he's saying, you better make good use of what you have while you have it. And here's the other thing that I think that Paul's pointing out that the rest of scripture corroborates. What you have came from the owner. What you have came from God. He's like, well, no, Ron, I earned what I have. I, I'm smart. I, I worked really hard. And I did all these things. Well, you know, I'd say, who gave you your skills? Who gave you the opportunities? Who opened the door? Who paved the way? Who made sure that that one actually worked for you when other attempts didn't work? You say, God is the owner, and I am the steward. I'm the steward. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25. He gives a parable, and he talks about three people who were given things to manage by an owner. And he says at the end of the days, they will be held accountable for that. God says, I'm the owner and you are the steward. Now, here's what, the, what happens is we get that messed up, mixed up. And so when we become the owner, we then determine how we're going to use our finances, how we're going to use our wealth, how we're going to use our resources. And then, oh, by the way, I need to ask God along the way because I, I really want his blessings. Well, it's a lot different to ask him as the owner than as the dispenser of blessings because when I'm asking him as the owner, I'm really saying, God, I will do what you say with what you've given me. I will do what you say with what you've given me. And that leads us to this next station, okay? Stop, rotate. Here's the next one. Focus on putting fulfillment before fun. Focus on putting fulfillment before fun. So now you have to ask yourself, what am I building my life on? Am I building my life on fulfillment the things that would bring me great peace, that would bring me great joy, are my building my life on fun. Now, and I'm not, you know, guys, you guys know me, you guys hear me all the time. I'm not anti-culture, okay? I love culture. I live in culture. I'm part of culture. I embrace culture, okay? And yet, what I see today is most of what culture's calling us to do is to live for the moment. Go for the gusto. Live for this opportunity. It's all about fun. And, we, and what happens is, is we go, and especially I think the younger generations, because it's more and more, that's where culture is going, that it's just from one fun moment to one fun moment to one fun moment to one fun moment. And then what happens, we had lots of fun, but the end of life, and we've done nothing fulfilling. We've done nothing that we could measure to say, wow, this was really, this really gave me more than just an experience. Because if we're just living for fun, for fun, for fun, we need more and more and more to make us feel, to get that fix that we got from that instant of having fun. So I need to put fulfillment before fun. And that leads us to the next one. These kind of all wrap together uh, for the next couple, just so we can, I wanted to give us some elaboration. I need to put meaning before moments. I need to put meaning before moments. So we live in a world that encourages us that the way to life is to have immediate gratification, to have immediate gratification. Basically, if you have a desire, just do it, right? If you have a desire, just go, just go for it, go for it, because it's all about the moment, and it's not about the meaning. And so what I want you to do here is I want you to think about what are your values? And if you're married, you want to sit down as a couple, and if you have kids, sit down if your kids are old enough to do this, to what are our values so that we make sure that the things that we use our money for or that we focus on are going to bring meaning into our family and not just fleeting moments, okay? 
Uh, it's all, I'm great. I love vacations. I love play. I love all the things that we can do in a moment. Those can bring us meaning as they fit into our values. But if we're only living for the moments without thinking about the meaning, then we're going to, once again, we'll end up end of life and we'll have a lot of great moments to look back on, but we'll be empty on the inside because we've not had and not done things that led us to meaning, to meaning. So, okay, let's look at this next one. Go on the back side of your notes. So now it's going to kind of change a little bit, and the focus in the, this next station would be put priority uh, before pleasure. Priority before pleasure. Now, all three of those, they kind of sound the same, but they all have a different focus that I want to give you. Priority, in my mind, would be planning. Planning. So you, you have a plan, and you're going to work it, and you're going to live the plan before you're going to have pleasure. You know, you're not going to put pleasure first and get that out of order. And so anytime that you've got a plan and you put pleasure first, then you're going to wreck your plan and you're not going to be able to do it. So you need to make sure to put priority before pleasure. If I'm going to be financially fit, I have to have a plan. And so that leads us to this next station, okay? So I'm thinking about a plan. Once again, if you want a good plan, you can go to Financial Peace and uh, take that class, or uh, Dave Ramsey has a great website you can go to, and you can learn a lot about plans that would help you financially. But I'm going to give you some aspects that would help you to keep your plan and to keep your priorities. And so this next station is this. I need to put admiring before acquiring. I need to put admiring before acquiring. I, I just love that, don't you? Yeah, that's my wife's thing. You know, she's, she's taught me this so well. Um, and because I've really struggled with this and because uh, she can admire what someone else has and just walk away and doesn't need to have it. And I'm going, ah, I'd really like to have that. <laughs> I saw this awesome Corvette the other day and I was like, oh, my word. <laughs> Couldn't believe this car, man. I was just like, oh, oh. And, and so she's like, oh, that's pretty. Walks away. And, uh, and I'm like, no, but I want to stop and drool over it a little while first. <laughs> because I really have to have this, okay? Now, here's what I'm talking about right now. We're talking about the principle of contentment. He says godliness and contentment. Contentment lead to great wealth. I can't have great wealth if I don't have godliness, which is, you know, all the ideas about God as the owner, and I'm not. I'm going to look for fulfillment. I'm going to look for meaning. I'm going to have priority. So those are all the things I'm saying, that God's coming first, and I have that. And so I'm going to live for him. I live for him, okay, instead of living for what I can get and what I can gain, which is the great wealth. And so while many of us, we reverse this order, and you just got to know, if you, when, anytime you reverse the order, you're going to end up in trouble. So if your whole life is about acquiring instead of admiring, then you're going to be in financial difficulty, and, you know, you're never going to be able to keep a budget. And you're going to be, if you're married, you're going to be, you know, butting heads all the time. If you're sting single, you're going to be going, how am I ever going to make it? I need some help here to get through this. But instead, I can just learn to admire and look at something without having to actually have it. And I'm getting hopefully better at this. I hope about that. Okay. So, but honestly, this is just about maturity, folks. Let's be honest. It's about maturity. It really is. You know, kids, you think about, you know, two, three, four-year-old kid. They have their hounds out all the time, and they're going, gimme, 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 gimme. And what happens is, is some of us, we're, you know, 25, 35, 45, 55 kids, and we're 50-year-old kids, and we're going, gimme, 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 gimme. And we're thinking about acquiring all the time, and that's our total focus in life. Here's the deal. Some of us need to learn to say no to ourselves. Oh, that sounds so painful, Ron. 
But here's the deal. When you're saying no to yourself, you're saying yes to God. You're saying yes to God. So if you can look at it differently, when I say yes to God, I'm saying no to myself. So you can say, I'm going to say yes to God and what you want. Go, God, yes. I want godliness. Oh, God, I want to be able to be a good steward. God, I want to have fulfillment. I want to have meaning. I want to live by priority. God, I want to be able to have contentment. When you say that, then you move forward in financial fitness. Okay, next one is this. I need to put delayed gratification before debt. Delayed gratification before debt. And folks, I'll just say it like this. We all need to, we all need to learn to live on what we make. We all need to learn to live on what we make. Just know, you're not Congress, okay? You can't just live off of what you don't make, what you don't have. You've got to live off of what you make. <laughs> Paul says it this way, and it's just kind of really, if you listen to these words, they're really piercing. He says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So the best way to, to you know, be involved in delayed gratification is to refuse to go into debt to get something. Now, Dave Ramsey, we've talked a lot about him today, but I love his phrase here. He says this, that we need to, in order to be financially fit, you must learn to act your wage. You must learn to act your wage. And so he's saying you must live within what you make as you go through life. Okay, and that takes us to the next station. I need to have saving before spending. I need to put saving before spending. So, okay, heads up. God is not anti-fun. God is fulfillment first. He's not anti-fun. He's fulfillment first. Now, this is something that won't just happen by accident. Uh, and so you have to set up a savings plan. And so uh, Dave Ramsey gives some hints about things you need to save for. And in the next couple, we're going to listen to in just a minute about their story. They talk about this. And the number one thing you need to save for first, just first, you need to think about this, is I need to set aside some money for an emergency plan, you know, some, an emergency that would happen. And he recommends some like three to six months of your salary that you would set aside for your emergency plan. So that when emergencies happen, you're prepared. Money Magazine says that 78% of Americans will have a major negative financial event in any given 10-year period. That's 78% of us are going to have that, and he's saying you need to be ready when that actually comes. So something's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. The, term, the transmission's going to go out. The water heater's going to bust a leak. Your kids are going to get sick. You're going to have a major surgery that you didn't expect that comes along. You may get laid off, but something's going to come up, and you'd, be, you'd better be ready for it and plan for it, or you're going to end up in deep financial stress and not know how to get out of the problem that you're in. You won't be able to ride that storm. But secondly, what Dave Ramsey says is that what you need to do is learn to save up and pay cash for things. Ooh, doesn't that hurt? Save up and pay cash for things. And when you do that, anytime you choose cash over credit, you're going to spend less. I was hearing this with my kids last night, uh, a study that was done uh, that... Uh, of McDonald's. And so they did this study of McDonald's and how people paid. 
And they discovered that when people go to McDonald's, they will spend 47% more if they use credit versus cash. 47% more. Because you're looking at that menu and you're like, oh my word, and I need this, and I need this. And what happens is, is you know, very rarely do you go to McDonald's alone. So if you have a credit card, you're, oh, and I'll buy yours too. And what they discovered is that if you use credit versus cash, you'll spend 47% more. So if we can, you know, condition ourselves to say, I'm going to only buy, even on credit, what I can pay off this month, then that's going to set me free in that way. And then next, you put giving before getting. You put giving before getting. Now, as we're going to hear in a minute from this couple, and I just think it's true in life, that the greatest joy in life is in giving, not getting. And yet we spend most of our time getting and trying to have more. But if we would just learn this principle of letting go and giving, then I believe we would set free. So giving, I just want to say this, start with what the Bible says would be 10% to your church. Say, that's what the Bible says, 10% to your church. A tithe is 10%. It's a, a, a standard of measurement. And so that's a place to start and say, okay, I'm going to give that to my church and then give to other things as God allows you to have more and more to give away. Paul says, and he says, you're to use your money to do good. And when, especially when you give to a church, what you're able to do is you're able to see what your little you can give, how that can be multiplied as lots of people give together and exponentially, then God's able to do things that you could never even think of doing on your own. But because collectively we had a vision and a mission that we were pursuing together, and then we're able to see that happen. We're able to see God move and we're able to see amazing things. This afternoon, we're going to see, I'm going to guess 35 to 40 people get baptized this afternoon. And that's because Our church has said we are going to give collectively so that people who don't know Jesus Christ can know Jesus Christ, and we're going to do it together. It's an awesome thing. And we had like 40 people baptized at our last baptism right over here. And so we're just seeing more and more people come to know Christ because you are willing to give and give generously. Now, the way our family does the uh, savings and the giving thing, and I've, I've shared this with you before. In fact, somebody told me in first service that when they started seeing you know, I was going to talk about money. They just wrote it down already. They knew I was going to talk about it, okay? They've heard me do it so many times. Here's the principle that we kind of basic plan. 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. So we just look at our money, and we say, okay, 10% right off the top is going to God, no questions asked. And, the, and, and really, I'm serious that we do it this way, is that when our kids were little, they had jars and so every month, every dollar that would come to them, uh, whether it was through some kind of work, some kind of chores, some kind of allowance, a gift from grandma or grandma or grandma or grandpa, uh, in some way they received something that every dollar would go through this filter, and the filter is 10% to God, 10% to savings, and then 80% for myself. And so um, they just learned to do this over time. And so what's awesome to see is my son, who's now 18, um, he has his own bank account now, so he doesn't have jars anymore uh, that he uses. And, and so he goes to the bank, and what I love about what he does, he walks into the bank and he just gives them his checks or whatever it is that he has, the cash he has that he wants to put in the bank, and he tells them, okay, I want 10% to God, 10% to savings, and 80% to, to and he has two accounts, and he takes the cash back. And so he does that and drives them crazy. But I think what a great witness he is in his bank. You know, here I go, 10% to God. They're, you give 10% to God? I can't believe this. And then they look at his savings and see what he's done in savings. 
Oh, man, I can see I can see that you're a wise young man and the way that you're doing this. And then what happens is, is you're saving, then it causes you to even, when you get to that 80%, it causes you to want to spend less because now you're saving for what you get to have and you're able to you know, want to live even on less of that uh, so that you can have even more for some bigger expense down the road. Here's the deal, folks. If you we're not giving to God, then we're not receiving God's blessings. If we're not saving, then we're not giving to ourselves. In fact, if you're not saving, you're working for nothing. Nothing, if you're not saving. So you have to get to the place where you can save, and then you need to learn to live off the other 80%. Okay, the last one is this. I need to put peace before pressure. Peace before pressure. And so we do that by doing what we talked about today. I'm going to have financial peace instead of financial pressure when I live as God has called me to live. Okay, so now we're going to watch our second couple and they're going to tell their story about their pathway and their working uh, to move toward financial peace. Let's watch. Life before paying attention to finances was chaotic. Um, Kevin and I were never on the same page, ever. <laughs> I'm very spur of the moment, and so we, you know, just splurge a lot of the time. And um, I'm a planner. Yeah, and so we didn't agree most of the time on what we were doing with our finances or where we were spending our finances. And anytime the word budget came into vocabulary of conversation, there was fire behind it. And um, there was never a, a point of agreement. We, um, we didn't have any direction in that area. And um, we hadn't given our, our finances to God. And so a, a big portion of that um, was just the fact that we didn't have a plan um, for our lives in general, let alone with our money. Before, we wouldn't discuss any of it, and so she'd have a budget drawn out, and I'd just go spend money, and then her, <laughs> there was no money there for her budget, so uh, my yes. golf game would be the electricity bill or something, you know, sure. so. You but, know. It, but our personalities get to play part as well be, you know because I'm a planner um, and because Kevin is the free spirit he says okay well we like to go out to eat so plan that we can have restaurant time plan that we want to go to a baseball game plan this or that or the other and so I still get to plan which is right up my alley and we get to have free spirit fun you know at the drop of a dime because we know that that money's set for that purpose. Mm -hmm. I think it allows us to be us mm -hmm. and um, still have that expression even though we know we're within a budget. Um, but it's allowing us to, to do what we want without a worry. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that that, um, that money's there and it's not gonna affect us later. Right. Uh, we're not gonna have to worry about what we did today, tomorrow. We know mm -hmm. that it's just allotted for. We allotted ourselves a $1,000 emergency fund. We looked around our house and uh, saw what excess stuff we had um, that was not necessarily needed. And we had a garage sale. Yeah, and it's, it's mostly, you know, like in the title, just for emergencies. So it's outside of whatever we allot for bills. It's outside of our daily spendings. And so to know that we have that, mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to have to easier. borrow for it. Yeah. <laughs> right, we don't have to borrow. That's awesome. <laughs> One thing we've learned is, is the whole financing is a process. And it's not 
over. We're not out of the woods. Not uh, we're overnight. not not even close. Not overnight. Not in the next five or ten years. Um, but what we've what we've done is set ourselves down a path and um, created a plan for ourselves to uh, not just get out of debt, but learn how to live right. and learn how to live together um, and plan to provide for our kids' future. Um, and then give. And give. Like we've never given before. It's, it's been about building a level of faith and just trusting that God's going to provide what we need. And um, when we first met, we, we had a lot of debt. We had a lot of debt, but we also made a lot more money even than we do today. And we didn't have Christ in our life. And we never felt like we made a lot of money. I don't even think we really have anything to show for it. No. And, and it's amazing now, um, the, I, I guess, having the faith in Him and, and the trust in the Lord to be able to build that budget and, um, you know, make sure that we're doing the right things with our money, um, it's amazing. I mean, we've had months where we knew we were going to be short. and. Uh, we were just like, okay, well, we're not going to pay that person this month, and that's what we're going to have to do. And a check comes in the mail for the almost identical check. amount. It was like a penny off. It, it was... Oh. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's indescribable. That's like our most... I mm -hmm. think that was like the major turning point. We both like dropped to our knees and said our thanks. That was when we said okay. You know, uh -huh. um, I give up. It's yours. Oh, that's great. Yeah, awesome stories. Now, there was a common theme in both stories, and the theme was trust. That if I'm going to get financially fit and I'm going to get a grip on my finances, it begins with me being willing to trust God that what He says is true and that he will work in my life. Now, you got to hear me. I want to make this real clear. God does not promise you wealth. Okay? Uh, you've never heard me say that. You'll hear TV preachers say that. I'll never say that. God promises you his blessing. He promises to pour into you himself. And he promises to work in you in such a way so that as your finances go... You trust him every step of the way. Now, Jesus said some words that were clear on this in Matthew 6, 33. He says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything. Would you circle that? Everything you need. Everything you need. Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I want to end today by giving you the bottom line. You want to fill in these last blanks. I discover financial security instead of financial stress when I begin trusting God. It begins when I trust him and I live by what he says that godliness is my goal. Stewardship is how I'm going to manage the things that he's given me. 
fulfillment will be the thing that I seek for. Meaning, I will determine meaning. I will live by priority. And when I do those things and live by God's plan, he says he will take care of every need I have. Every need I have. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word and how powerful it is for us. And Lord, I uh, just pray for everyone in the room that, uh, that you've spoken to each of us, that we've listened to you today. It may not even be about money today. It may, you may have spoken to us about Jesus or spoken to us about a need we have in another area. But I thank you specifically that you've spoken about finances. And God, today, that we would remember what you've asked us to notice, that we took notice today. There was something you showed us today. We took notice. You showed us. You, made, you alerted us to something in our, in our financial world that you want us to focus on. Maybe not all 10 of these, but just one even today, God, that you said, I want you to take notice here. And then, God, that you would give us the courage, the wisdom, and the strength to take action that we wouldn't just have heard words and we'd go out and we'd go on with a picnic the rest of the day and have fun, but this message would truly change us, God, in this way, that we would take action on what we've heard today or at the latest tomorrow. We would begin a step that you've called us to take. And we thank you for Jesus and the promise that we have in him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.